We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. On the way out, he did kiss me. No. And what do you mean by kiss? It's just no passion, no nothing on the way out. He just kissed me and... and like a tongue kiss, like a peck on the lips, peck on the, like a... No, it, it was like a kiss on the lips, but no tongue kiss, no making out. Got it. Nothing. What exactly were you not honest about? I was honest about being there, but I wasn't honest about the actions that had taken place. I'm no home wrecker. Right. I would never try to hurt someone's home. Right. Especially someone that I love. Right. And someone who I've seen has a beautiful daughter. I never was trying to steal someone's man. I don't need your situation. Before you guys listen to another episode of The Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash The Corner Podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month, you guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. I wish I could give this feeling. I wish I could give this feeling. 
What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Cal Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. Another week. It is crazy out here in Vegas. We have UFC 235 this weekend. Um, doing stuff all week for that. Dre is knocking out interviews with sporting news like it's nobody's business, talking to everyone. Been reading those all day, so that's exciting. We also have WWE to talk about and a little bit on the boxing front. But we want to start off, as usual, with what's going on in social media, on our Twitter timelines, and what has the people talking. And Dre, what has people talking is something you don't care about, but we got to discuss it. And that's Khloe Kardashian, Tristan Thompson, and some old girl, how Tristan got caught up again, and somehow it's now taken over, it's taken over Twitter, because... Once you get the Kardashians fan base behind it, and then now Will and Jada with this red table talk, talking to the Jordan chick who he allegedly crept off with, then there's no avoiding it. (sighs) This is so stupid. (laughs) Dude, this is so, like, oh, my God. Like, waking up, like, I'm bumping 2 chains album this morning, this Solange album, and I'm on my timeline. I'm like, Jordan Woods is on red table talk, and one, I'm like, who? Two, I'm exactly. like, so? Everyone knows like, her now, though. Yeah, that was like, so? Like, I, who cares? But then I'm like, all right, so it's everywhere. So I'm like, all right, let me, what, what's the big deal? So, because clearly, I really don't know, and I really don't give a shit. Like, the Kardashians don't deserve my time. But there's a black girl involved. So now I'm like, all right, well, let me find out. Because an NBA player cheating on a woman is old hat. Like, there's yeah, That's not newsworthy. Here. At all. No. So I guess apparently Jordan Woods is uh, uh, Kylie's friend and Tristan cheated with her, right? Yeah. And I, I, okay. So, of course, I had to hit up Rob from BSO because he's been following the story closely. And Tristan had like one hell of a past two weeks hitting everything moving, right? Cool. That's the man's prerogative. He he does what he wants. Somewhere in the midst of that, he had a seven sum. I still don't know how you pull that off, but that was intriguing. And with this Jordan chick, from what I can gather, the only thing she did was sit on his lap at this party where no cameras were allowed, but people obviously were in there, sat on his lap, kissed, and then that's all people saw. So they're like, oh, you were cheating with Tristan. It's like, yo, he was just smashing seven people like the night before. That's okay, because they're nameless and faceless. This chick happens to be the friend of the little sister. And now Khloe Kardashian's on Twitter like, oh, I don't want you to be a victim. It's your fault. My family's destroyed. I was like, not not the eight-person orgy. No, that, that's okay. Hollywood's a weird place, yo. So so let's 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 just put it out there. I take tremendous issue with the Kardashians' usage of black men as props and black women as tools. Like, they have built their there's a difference between what Kim did versus what Kim, Chloe, Kim and Chloe and now Kylie have done versus what Paris Hilton did. Like Paris Hilton was like the pioneer of this paparazzi lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. But what, what Paris Hilton never did was dip her toe into urban culture. Like she, ne- you never saw her with a black man. It just didn't happen, right? And it, she was never really part of our culture. Kim saw that as being Paris's assistant and was like, yo, I'm going to like me some black men. And if you remember the Ray J, the Red, that's what put her on the map with us. Because 
to be honest, I mean, who was it? Car- like, you know, we knew who, like, people like me knew who Rob Kardashian was. I didn't give a shit yeah. about his daughter. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Like, Paris Hilton has the Hilton legacy. Like, she'll never be poor, right? She kind of did this for fun. Kim did this for a lifestyle. And from that point on, she has used every single black man. And if you if you look, it's never the same kind of black man. It's a football player. It was a basketball player. It was an artist. And now it's Kanye West, which I don't know what the fuck he is. And, <laughs> and, and meanwhile, she is altering. Her and her sister have been, oh, shit, all of them have been altering their bodies to, every look, single like, one. Yeah, to look like black women. Right? They're accentuating their butts, their lips. Like, they are trying to look as ethnic and exotic as possible to capture black men. And the shit is working. And it's and the, the, <laughs> other thing, the other thing that troubles me about it is the men that are associated with these women. Kanye West, who has clearly lost his fucking mind, and we've talked about this time and time again. The MAGA shit. Somehow, this dude goes to, it, it does a Fred Hammond sample with some black people, and people are forgiving this shit. Fuck Kanye. One. Two, Travis Scott, a guy who said that Mike Brown probably deserved to get shot by the cop, right? These are the men that these women are attracted. Like, come, like they're using you. Like, how the fuck can you not see this? You're being but used. There's a cycle of these men who are, let's be real, they are popular and powerful in their own right. Travis yeah. Scott... Travis Scott would have been dope with these albums regardless. He didn't necessarily need to knock up Kylie, but he did. Did it elevate his platform? Maybe. I'd say yes. Yes. Yeah, in, in pop culture, maybe mainstream media, yes. So I can understand that. Kanye, did it elevate his platform? Yes. Yes. But it wasn't needed. But then you look at, with Kylie, Ben Simmons. Ben, Sim- ben Simmons, what the hell you need Kylie for? And like that's that's going to end wrong. Let's just off rip. That ain't ending well. Tristan with Chloe, like we saw it firsthand, especially here in Vegas. We saw the whole Lamar Odom shit play out. The entire thing. Lamar looked healthy now, but (laughs) Lamar was fucked up. He he went from like yo doing interviews, ha ha ha. I'm on the Lakers, you know, six man of the year. My only thing is candy. He just ate mad candy. And people are laughing, like, oh, he's, I'm addicted to candy. To know your full out, blown, just crazy drugs. You're getting caught here in the brothel having a seizure and damn near dying. I mean, all, all after the, Kard- <laughs> the, the uh, Kardashian curse is real, but it seems to only be real for, like you said, minorities and ethnic people, right? Because I actually think the most normal person in their family is that Scott Disick dude. I used to hate watching this shit with like my ex-wife and she watched Kardashians all the time. I thought it was ridiculous. But the Scott Disick dude seemed like a normal ass guy. He is the only one that went from like, you know what, I'm here to fuck it. I'm just riding the wave. And he capitalized off of it. They seem to suck the life out of everyone else. I mean, but but also to put it in perspective, look how they've treated black women. Like how many Kardashians are still friends with black women? Black China. Right, China. She was a rat, and Jordan. Now it's Jordan Woods. They're just being extradited from the family, right? As soon as you know, the, the these women try to go into the knife to look like the like. I mean, I'm not gonna use Black China because she's had so much work done. I don't know what Jordan Woods has, had done, but it's like these methods, man. It's like this is culture vulturing for real, for real. They're using <laughs> us as props and tools, right? At the and highest like, level. 
And Tristan Thompson is not like an NBA all-star, you know, by any means. Like, he's a decent player, right? Top draft pick once upon a time. He's a decent player, but he, dog, you're being used. Just like, I mean. Every year. She got to sit courtside every year. That, she can't get wrong. I mean, it was like, yo, how do I get here? Like, and there's a reason why Jay-Z and Beyonce have kept their distance. They, I mean, it, it, it's not, it's not that. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me, but I guess it's not that transparent to other people. So these sagas and this bullshit about people cheating, like, I don't, dog, I don't care. But my issue is, why do we give the Kardashians so much of our time as black people? Because, they, they, dude, they're mocking us. They're not friends with us. It's ridiculous. Because they are black people. Like, they, like, again, for some reason, we always care about each other, right? So if Kanye is losing his damn mind, we kind of care and want to talk about Kanye because he was one of ours. So they're like, oh, yes, let me get that. Boom, latched on to it. So it, the fact that we have to talk about them. They, and they keep, they keep doing, they keep finding ways like the Reggie Bush thing. Have you heard about Reggie Bush the past five years? Oh, man. No, right? Oh, I, He's on TV. I think you heard his... After he hurt he got, himself in Miami, was it's it's been a super rap. But he's been straight. But my point is, he not in the tabloids. He's he got money. He's living a normal life. Got a baby girl. Got a new wife. For all purposes, he seems happy. In the Kardashian cycle, nothing but paparazzi. Reggie's doing this. Reggie's doing that. Oh, oh, like you know, scandal at USC. Get stripped of the Heisman. All this shit. Crazy. Haven't heard a peep. Since he bounced. The the tall dude from the Nets. I know we all forget his name. Yeah, that's it. It's crazy. Humphreys. He, he's just out somewhere chilling. Chilling. Like, as soon as you separate, it seems like you can breathe and live a normal life. That There's something about that family. And I don't... The mom, Kris Jenner, is an incredible businesswoman, but she, she figured out something else where you literally... Take the star from someone else and just add that shit to you. She sang Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat. Like yeah, and you know what? Souls. You will never see any of these women with a strong black man with black pride. You won't. You have it and you won't. Like, look, no. I mean, look at Kanye now. Like, like look at look at Travis Scott. These aren't like they make black music supposedly, but they, you you don't really hear about them identifying with black culture anymore. They're, they're in the fact, rock stars, to be fair. Exactly, but that's my point. Like they a smart a smarter black man would be able to identify this bullshit and call it out immediately. Be like, nah, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Like if I if I want a sister, I'm just gonna give me a sister. I'm not gonna get a woman who's <laughs> trying. Like love who you want to love, but. Also know the albatross that's in the room. Like this, this broad is is cutting herself up to look like your sister. You know what I'm saying? To have the physical features of black women. And now she's with you to use you to to get a higher status, to be courtside of NBA games, to be to infiltrate the culture to get those views because Kanye's the eyeballs that were on Kanye are now the eyeballs that are on Kim Kardashian. Yep. Yep. And and Ray J. I mean, come on, dog. Like Ray J, yeah, he's done well for himself, but since Kim sucked him dry, yeah. he's he's he at a certain a level, and she's yeah, and she's excelled. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous, and that's my biggest issue. With other than that, 
I could give a fuck who your man, your NBA player man gets cheated on with. I watch that shit on basketball wise every week. Like I don't <laughs> I don't need I don't need to know. I don't need this going public. And poor Jordan Woods, like, I mean, you got roped in, she's young, but I'm about to say, table, I don't necessarily feel bad for her. I but. mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, Jordan Woods is able to have a platform to speak, and I think that pisses Chloe off more than anything else. Yeah. Because usually they can dominate the conversation because they have more followers than everybody else, more eyeballs watching their show. So your little issues, like if they feel like cutting you out of the show, you no longer have a voice. But when yeah. Will and Jada come along and say, look, we'll give you this platform, well, shit. And not only is it just a platform that is on a main a major level with Will and Jada being major players in the entertainment industry, it's also a platform for a black woman to sound off. Chloe don't like that shit. Not at all. Because you can't say anything to the contrary. Like, you really can't badmouth Will and Jada for giving the platform. Ah, what you gonna do? You're, you're going into a whole rabbit hole with that one if you try that shit. That's a losing battle. Before before we move on, I also want to say this. Like, dudes that, you know, you're having babies with Chloe and Kim and Kylie. What the fuck do you think your baby's going to look like? Because their babies are not coming out looking like their mother right now. No. God, no. They're Especially <laughs> Kylie. Yo, Kylie went from the most cookie-cutter white girl. Because the, the difference is, is like uh, Kim and Chloe and all this stuff. Cool, they're Armenian. They kind of look Armenian. Uh, the the other sister who got the stank face, the older one, like they they have like features and look Armenian. It was a natural transition. Kylie went from you really don't look Armenian at all, like you you look like a 16, 15 year old white girl to overnight, boom, lips, butt, your waist is cinched in, fake boobs, long extensions. I like black men. Overnight, I was like, what the fuck? And then she turned that. Into, oh, all you other white girls want to look like black women? Cool. Here goes my lipstick. Here goes my eyeliner. There, there was a stupid Kylie challenge where people put glasses around their lips to make it puff up. She turned, if I can make myself look like a Kardashian, and which is actually just looking like a black woman or a Spanish woman, then you know what? Every white girl in America can too. And that shit made a billion dollars. It's ridiculous. Everybody uh, want to be a black man and a woman, so it's time to be a black man and a woman. Like, everybody wants to absorb those aspects of the culture and accentuate those images, or they want to rap and be part of our, because, like, I mean, everybody want to be, like, a post Malone, but when shit get real, they ain't nowhere to be found. Out of here. Ask Takashi. When right. shit got real? What? Wait, wait, what do you mean? Racketeering. Nah, this, this tattoo? Nah, I'm part of this gang. Rub this shit right off. Witness protection. Singing like a bird. See ya. It's just when keeping it real goes wrong. When, like side note, we need the Boondocks. We need Chappelle show. We need some shit back on air. Cause I feel like we got way too much right now. It, a lot of ammo. Those shows would be hilarious. You know, unfortunately, and and I, I think we do this a lot. I, I wonder how many people listen to this podcast and go, "Will you please get to the combat sports?" I need to know. If there's any of you out there that listen to the opening segments of this show and be like get to the fucking combat sports please let us know because we tend to go on about this shit but yeah. anyway i still think you know what there's a majority of people who listen to our first 25 30 minutes and they'd be like yo we love your show and i'd be like you cut it off after we stop talking about the hot topics right they'd be like yep <laughs> and i'd be like oh yo, that's cool we get the clicks we love y'all a lot of the women who listen to our show we got a strong female fan base now they listen to this portion 
because I'm crazy and you're sensible. Well, I guess, but so so on the the topic of the uh, the the Boondocks and Chappelle show, I don't know if those shows could survive today in the in the form that they were 10, 15 years ago. Like Chappelle was a little racy. Boondocks, we can can float with the Boondocks. Yeah, you might. I think. I mean, I mean, Aaron Magruder and the shit that he did on the con because like I was a fan of the comic strip, and also like a sidebar, like OK Player just turned twenty this past year, which is for a lot of people like like myself. If it wasn't for OK Player, like the Boondocks was where I was reading that comic strip. Like OK Player was a place where I legitimately found Little Brother and heard Speed on. One of the god damn, what were those files called like 15 years ago that you had to wait for? Like, it was like on a fucking real player. Um, <laughs> but they they used to post there. My band guys from Tanya Morgan, Don Will and Von P. I met them there. Like Lupe getting trashed for not being a fan, not knowing Midnight Marauders. That happened on the OK Player message board. That was like a big place. But that's where I first read Magruder's comic strip, The Boondocks. And I went and bought the books because I don't think they had it in Vegas at a certain point. So I had to find a way to get those strips. And at DX, we when I was at Hip Hop DX, we ran the comic strip. Like I made it a point to contact Aaron's people and ran the comic strip every day. We ran a, a different portion of that comic strip. So at times it could get super. Like Trump would hate that shit. He'd be oh, out they, there oh. <laughs> going in. But it's just I, like I'm curious how far they could go. Because yes, there's a lot of stuff they could eat off of right now. Like Chappelle, Chappelle would probably get taken off the air. Yeah, Chappelle, because he always went like a little further. Chappelle is not, not that you have to be PC nowadays, but yeah, there's a lot of shit you can't say. No, I mean, you can't hyper offend people. We're in a hyper offensive community, and Chappelle and Neil Brennan, who also wrote on the show, they would just come up with some wild shit. And the thing is, like, I interviewed Neil for The Root on one of the anniversaries of Chappelle's show a few years ago, and Neil used to tell me, he was like, yo, and Neil and Dave, I guess, are not, they weren't cool for a while. And Neil has a great stand up on Netflix. Anyway, Neil was telling me that they used to wake up, not know what they were filming, and they would meet, I think, at a coffee shop or a breakfast spot and open up the newspaper and write their skits just based off of shit that was happening in the newspaper. So everything that they did for season two was legitimately, yeah, it was legitimately on the fly. So they wouldn't have time to be like sensitive to somebody's issues. It was like, if this is a hot, t- the Robert Kraft shit? Oh, they would have ate that up. <laughs> He's Robert, not. They just would have went after it. Robert Kraft at the Rub and Tug. Uh, talked about that on the Patreon episode this week. Make sure you guys check that out. Uh, shout out to everyone who has the Patreon. Uh, I brought in a guest this week on the Patreon. Uh, names excluded. But someone I know here in Vegas who dabbled in hoetry. And, uh, yeah, no, he, he was just on a, on a real. He was a pimp here in Vegas. Possibly still pimping in Vegas, not sure. But he was willing to open up on the Patreon episode and tell us like the ins and outs of escorts and high rollers and their relationship and why some high rollers go to the rub and tugs. Uh, if you guys ever been to Vegas, Spring Mountain, Chinatown, there's some places uh, why people go there sometimes and not you know straight to the hotel rooms and just he broke down all the dynamics of the industry. You know, he calls it the lifestyle. So he broke that down. It was one hell of an interview, and it was crazy. Dre said the most a girl came back on a Mayweather weekend. One girl. One of his girls came back to him. She made $125,000 that night. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Fight night. He was like, the guy she was with was gambling at the tables that were 250000 and up. 
Yeah. I mean, there's I know Marcus Vandenberg, me me and him, it was one of the nights you dipped early from May with the fight. I can't remember which one. Might have been the McGregor fight, actually. I think I ended up at the MGM. Loitering. Just, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Lloyd, but it was it was it was I don't know, the atmosphere was different, but I noticed so many escorts with these older white men, and I was like, yo, they are cleaning up. That industry makes a lot of money. Like in in I mean, it's like selling weed, right? Like, if, if the government got a hold of it and started taxing it, it'd be a completely different industry. But, you know, as long as it exists, as pimping the pimp culture and the whole culture and the prostitution culture exists, these women are going to get paid. And I, so Mayweather Weekend, it's a prime spot, man. And they're strong out here. Girls I went to school with. Oh, yeah. You know, so many guys. I know guys that went to full-blown college, college degrees, came back, started pimping. Oh, yeah. I, I mean... Yeah, I mean that could be a whole other podcast. When I talk <laughs> yeah. about culture out here. Yeah, like, it's a banana. So we like dipped into that yeah. on a Patreon, but it's real in what some of these men do. So I wasn't surprised by the Robert Kraft shit. I was surprised that he only paid sixty dollars for it. But I mean, yeah, man. I mean, he damn, that, he went to that place for a reason. He he might have a type, and they have a very specific. Uh, I don't want to say clientele, but they have a very specific workforce. At that establishment, that probably, uh, you know, really enticed Mr. Kraft to go there. Hmm. So I don't, I don't think I'm not of the opinion that oh my God, he knew sex trafficking, he knew these girls were illegal, what was happening to him. I'm not gonna go that far. I don't think people who, you know, who pay for sex really dig deep and do a whole facts on all these women and try to figure out what what their background is and how they got there. You know. I, that's some strip club shit. I've seen people go to strip club like, oh, yeah, you graduate from college? Oh, what do you do? What are your hobbies? I'm like, are you talking to a damn stripper? Pay her the money. Get your lap dance. Yeah. But some yeah. Pay, like, some people legitimately play, pay for conversation. They really do. Like, yeah, we talked about that, too. I'm like, I ain't paying nobody for conversation. No. It's, I, 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 it's free on Twitter. But it, it's different when, like... For older people, it's different when they just want to escape and not have anybody that's going to talk back. And it's really that simple. Like, I've talked to people about this. It's, they don't want anybody that knows their life, that knows who they are, and they can just talk to. And, it, and it's, it's, I would never pay for it, but there's lonely people out there. Isn't that what a therapist is for? Granted, no. the therapist isn't going to give you a happy ending. Right. I mean, it's not that. And the therapist is not, you know, it's not like Melfi from The Sopranos where Tony wanted to bang her. It was, you know, your therapist, you look there as like a therapist. Like this is just like a woman. It's the illusion. It's like going to the strip club. It's the illusion of courting, of courtship. Like you go to therapy, you know you're in therapy. There's no like blurring the lines like, ooh, maybe I could. Like the escort thing is like, you know, it's, it's a little bit more personal. Like, you're, I mean, you're paying for it, but it's the illusion. And escorts are an illusion. It's an elusive culture where, where men want to escape with these women who pretty much, you know, they're not going to say anything negative. They're just there as an ear and a hand and whatever else they offer. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. We could really do a whole podcast on it. It's we just really wild. could. Um, yeah, let's see. I really glance over this R. Kelly arrested shit. Like, whatever. R. Kelly's arrested. I think he's going away. What is it to talk about? What is it to talk about? Ain't shit. He got out. He went to McDonald's. I, the only key fact is a random-ass woman with a daycare dropped 100K. 
How do you just got a hundred K on deck? Yo, first of all, daycare is a very lucrative industry. <laughs> Second I of all, anyway, you, you're someone who probably has to pay for it. Nah, I don't. I mean, fortunately. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, lucky. Yeah. No, that shit gets crazy. I know people pay like 2K a month. That's what I'm saying. So I can see where she got it, but it's kind of odd. The irony behind, I work at a place with little kids and I'm bailing out the man <laughs> who keeps on little kids. I don't get that. It's, it's wild. Like, how... Like, she's like, we need to hear a side of the story. Like, no, man. Like, if I, like I'm not bailing out somebody who's been murdering black people and I'm black. It just, it just don't go together. I can't support that, but... To each his own. I mean, look, man, they, they got to put R. Kelly under the jail. At some point, he just can't. If Bill Cosby's in jail, R. Kelly absolutely has to go to jail. Yeah, this is it. If, if that tape really has what they say it has, and I read that transcript, and that shit was disgusting, then, yeah, he's just a fucking weirdo. And I want to hear no role play shit. Like, he was very dead-ass serious in those comments. And he, yeah. he got a problem. And the boondock strikes again, right? Because that shit was... We we thought it was timely at that moment. No, that that was foreshadowing. Yeah, we're right. Huey's speech at the end saying Art Kelly needs help. We need to get Art Kelly some counseling and take his camcorder is the realest shit ever. Ever, of all time. <laughs> Fifteen years later, boom, perfect. No one listened to Huey. Damn shame. Uh, before we move on, UFC two thirty five is this weekend. We're gonna talk about that in one second. Something that had you tight this week that I can't gloss over. Dre, it was written better than Illmatic. Man, god damn it. Nas fans. <laughs> this had you uh, hot for a whole day. And this oh is ridiculous because Illmatic, I would say, is my favorite hip-hop album of all time. Depending on when I wake up, it's always in my top three. Ready to Die and Reasonable Doubt are up there for me. Um, but, I mean, they... They float around. Usually Illmatic's in number one. So It Was Written is so far down the list. I don't even understand how people are putting this shit in the same realm as Illmatic. Man, this is a doozy. Like, it, it floated across my timeline on Twitter. And then I saw somebody retweet it. And then I saw somebody like it. So I asked the question. Like, you know, people really like It Was Written more than Illmatic. And I was surprised at how many people were just like, it was a better album. It was Nas's lyrical finest. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The album that we have universally recognized as one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time is yep. now possibly second in the catalog of Nas. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and, and the bizarre thing about it is, you know, there was a person who tried to shame me. He was like, yeah, you, you uh, music writers are the gatekeepers. Look, listen. You gatekeepers <laughs> are the reason why we didn't like it was written. Listen, listen. There's a reason. There's a reason why some of us are writers and some of y'all the fuck are not, right? And it's it's because some of us know what the fuck we're doing. And and I've listened to enough music that I can have an educated opinion. Whereas some of you have not, and just start springing to action whenever you hear something. Now, Miss Info was the one who wrote the Illmatic review. And me and Minya have been friends over the years. And I've asked her questions about this, about hearing the album and what it represented. Because for me, when Illmatic came out, like, I had heard nothing like it. It was like Rakim on the juice, right? On the, the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa juice. Because he took that poetic style to an entirely different level. But on top of that, the producers who contributed to Illmatic 
were bar none the greatest collection of producers to work on one debut album. That's ridiculous. Now you talk about It Was Written. No album that has Nas is coming will ever be better than <laughs> Illmatic. That no album has album. several skips on it. And it's cool. Like, you know, there are dopes. Like, people are like, if I rule the world was a big commercial smash. Yeah, because of the recognizable sample that people could identify with. That doesn't necessarily make it better. Like, Illmatic didn't sell a ton of records when it first came out. It took a while for it to go platinum. It was written, was constructed for Nas to go mainstream, using the track masters and everybody else that was on that album. Like, AZ's guest feature on Life's a Bitch annihilates every guest that was on It Was Written. I could care less what anybody has to say. And it was the only but, guest appearance, right? Only feature on the album. And it also, but it also lent credibility to this, this entire thing where less is more. Nas gave you 10 tracks. Everything else was just like on, every, all over the place after that. It was so succinct. And like, like I said last week, maybe I'll skip over halftime because I want to get to the next song. And people but wilding then, out on you. Yeah, but, <laughs> I saw but, a Twitter people like, you skip it halftime? Yeah, I know, but the, but the reason why I said that is because I wanted to get to another song. It wasn't because yeah. I didn't like Halftime. More importantly, Illmatic came out on cassette, and this is the advantage that a lot of people have today that rappers didn't have 20 years ago. When things came on in cassette, you kind of had to live with it. If you hit play and walked away from your tape player, there was no fast forward. You had to listen to whatever was on at the time. You couldn't avoid a song. It was there, right? It yep. was written with an album that I've purchased at least seven times in my life. Because I've either popped the tape, broke the Illmatic scene, or It Was Written? It, I'm sorry, Illmatic, not It Was Written. It Was Written oh. I bought like once. And, but Illmatic was something that I've, I've had. But to go beyond all that, they've made a documentary about this film. They have made books about this, about, I mean, about this album, documentary about this album. This is Nas's entry into the culture, and it changed everything that we thought of. To all of a sudden consider his second album, which was never on the radar as greatest hip-hop album of all time, much less considered less than Stillmatic, is bizarre to me that now all of a sudden is better than one of the top three rap albums of all time. Y'all and y'all revisionist history as well. And, you, and here's, here's a bigger thing. You can like it. I'm not saying you can't like it. Like, there's a lot of things that I enjoy but I'm not an idiot, cause I like I can Hyperbole say. Hyperbole is real. People just run yeah, rampant like, with. Yeah, like I enjoy certain things. Like Kill Bill is one of my personal favorite movies of the Tarantino catalog, and in, in, in general, I like I can't turn off Kill Bill whenever it comes on. But I'd be a fool to say it's the greatest film of all fucking time. Like y'all you, you gotta relax with that shit. And it was written. Was it a good album? It was good, but I was disappointed by it. And people was like, because it didn't live up to the expectations of Illmatic. Well, there it is. And that's why Illmatic will forever be the best album. It's like, yeah. And I'm not even in the spot. Like, I didn't listen to it. I wasn't, like, hip on it when it dropped. So that was 93. Um, yeah. I was five. I heard it when I was 10. So I was 98. Me and my best friend Ray, my pops put us in his whip. My pops had the drop top. And we were going to get a slice of pizza. And my pops was playing... Uh, it ain't hard to tell. And we were like, what is this? And he literally pulled the car over. Double parked. If everybody from New York, he double parked. <laughs> Threw that shit right there. It was like, what? Hold on, hold on. And that was like, you know, the whole bad boy was taking off, all this. Uh, like, people were like, oh, Jay was getting a little hot. New York was a whole different spot. So I was like, no, a bad boy. But Foster was like, no. 
threw that shit on and made us listen to the whole album front to back. And he's critiquing, breaking stuff down, telling us about this or, yo, this how the the this how the projects were back then. Yeah, kids really were selling hand to hand. You know, you'd have your gun, the max would jam, people really having shootouts and shit. And he's doing like a backlog, like an oral history of what New York was like at the time through these songs. That's how good of a story it was. And lending his personal experiences and telling us everything. And it took that one time and we were hooked. It's still my favorite hip hop album. And that's what it I does. Love it. Uh, and, yeah. and it was revisionist. I didn't even listen to it in the moment. And I could tell how good it was. So these kids or 20 year olds or whatever who were born in 92 and 93 when this shit was first coming out, they still got no excuse. Because when you hear timeless music, you know it. So it's a damn I mean, shame. Damn yeah, shame. It, I mean, dog, I mean, it ain't hard to tell with the Michael Jackson human nature sample, which is almost to a lot of people unrecognizable. Even though it was there, it wasn't like the loop that a lot of people recognize when people loop popular samples. But it's like, I remember watching Nas climb the steps in the World Is Yours video, and I was just like, yo, like, I'm a kid blown away by what I'm hearing. If this was at a, a, an age, dog, I used to write down rap lyrics so I can understand them better. And that's yeah. kind of where the genesis of me being a journalist was, because I used to really break down lyrics. And so I wrote down all the lyrics to Nas's album. And just little things like writing every word past the margin. Like, dog, that's, that like the visualization of that was wild. And it's like, not to say that Nas wasn't prolific on it was written, but man, for a that day... That line is so incredible. And you, you just picture the notepad and him just scribbling these lines. And past the margin, like the, that attention to detail, yo... It's the, also why Stillmatic is better than It Was Red. Because when you get yeah. songs like Rewind, and like yeah. all this sh- like in the, the brain power and concentration it takes to make something like that is phenomenal. Yeah, and that's why Nas will also be the most complicated and frustrating artist of our generation. Oh, yeah, because he was only hot like every two and a half. Jake, yeah, Jake, like- Jake called him out on it. <sighs> It's crazy. But yeah, the, so before we move on to US, like if any of y'all have a problem with this whole it was written is better than Illmatic thing, I, I don't know what the fuck to tell y'all. And anybody who tries to call me like our gay- core, core audience understands us. I just I think the vocal minority is vocal enough to make this a thing, but they're still the minority. I think most people would be like, what? Get out of here. Like Illmatic is always going to be better than it was written. But people are vocal enough to use Twitter as a platform to get out bullshit thoughts and find people to agree with them. Because then you'd be like, oh, yo, I didn't know there were three people who agreed with me. And now you're loud as shit because you're on Twitter and you're trying to find more and more people to agree with you when the prevailing thought is, nah, man, y'all got to chill. It was written. It, it, it pales in comparison to Illmatic. Twitter is made for the contrarian. It is. It that's, really is. That's what the platform is for. Like, if you agree and go with the status quo, you're, you're going to get no shine on Twitter. Your shit's going to get lost in the shuffle. If you're contrarian and you say that shit loud enough and you, you comment on two or three people's tweet and they'll get trapped. And, and next thing you know, you're you're the big man in 20, 30 different timelines. And everyone's coming after you. And that's that's how you have the loudest voice. So that's that's what the hell Twitter does. Um, talking about a loud mouth contrarian. Now we could dive into UFC 235. And a card that's built on good in-cage matchups, right? Uh, I mean, outside of maybe the main event, 
everything else features some really good matchups to be some really exciting fights. The star of this fight week so far is Kobe Covington. I wouldn't call him a star. He's a goof. He is a goof, but he's the he's the headlines. Before this, it was Ben Askren, who, and as a member of MMA media, I feel like this is weird. Because at least now I'm like one step back, so I don't have to write about it every day like I used to. But it's weird how Ben Askren kind of became the, the focal point of this card. And a lot of media members were like, no, this is the guy with personality. We want to get interviewed from. We want to talk to him and Tyron are doing buddy interviews like like LeBron and Kyrie in the finals and shit. Like Ben Askren became that lovable guy. I'm like, we've all seen him fight before, right? Like he he shouldn't go in there and be a wet blanket. It works, well, he, but it's not exciting. He's gotten better. I mean, look, he's not the same Ben Askren that was in Bellator. He's finishing guys now. Not well, to say I mean, he's gonna he finish went to Robert. a different level of competition. Yeah, so I mean he went to credit. That, you know, one FC is a different world. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But Ben Askren, I think the bigger story about Ben Askren is the fact that it took this long for him to get to the UFC. And Dana really never wanted to sign him. And Dana, after talking to Ben on Wednesday, Ben and Dana still haven't had a conversation at all. And that's that's crazy to me. Because, like, I know not everybody gets to talk to the boss, but if you trade for the guy, you traded for Ben Askren. At least get like, Yeah, he was like, we have a he, Ben's like, I tried to reach out, I tried to talk to him, he won't respond. And he's like, I'm fine, I'm willing to bury the hatchet. Because you remember Ben asked control everybody in the welterweight division <laughs> and Dana White. And now that he's uh, here, he's just he's just like, I want to talk to the man won't talk to me. That's I think the story is, you know, and then on top of that, fortunately for John Jones, he doesn't have to talk about picograms and cocaine, and he's talking about a fight for once. Yeah. Which Weirdly enough, it made him almost likable, like watching him this week, because he's just like, he's not having to fend off these questions. And I kind of asked him, I was like, if you fight every quarter like you want to, you kind of push this narrative to the back, right? Like, because how many times can we ask the same questions? Unless you pop again, then boom, here we are, we're going to be in your face. Like, we're going to find this shit. We would have dropped this shit at the aerial interview when they were walking around the duck pond, right? And he looks sincere. He said he was changing. We would have all dropped it then, but then he fucks up. Right. So he's got to, and I, and I think that was kind of part of the thing I asked John. It was just like, it's, it's not just because he mentioned it being for the fans, but I'm like, it's not really just for the fans. It's kind of for you. Because if you're training and preparing to fight, you have less time to fuck up. Right. He's kind of like, yeah. Theoretically, you know? yeah. <laughs> he was like, I mean, I could, but, you know, but he was theoretically, yeah, but. You know, and it was the first time that he took accountability for his actions, which was weird. And, like, me and Brett Akimoto from ESPN kind of looked at each other like, is this happening? Because he was like, we all have our bad things. He was like, you know. Um, and then Brett goes, well, what's yours? And, and John's eyes get big, and he's like, what, what are my things? And he was like, well, cocaine. And, like, he just was out there, and he was, like, drinking and driving. And he was just, like, partying too hard. And he was kind That's of – <laughs> He was like, I've never, he's like, I never hurt anybody in like a fight. Like I never robbed anybody or anything like that. But he's like, I have my issues. I have my vices. And I was, and that, I was just like, all right, well, at least he admitted. it. But, you know, I still feel he's very disingenuous about a lot of things. But the story this week is fortunately not about 
John fending off, like fighting Daniel Cormier or fending off drug abuse claims or fending off cocaine and, and none of picograms. It's, it's about John Jones being a massive favorite against a, a guy who used to, like, literally fought at a strip club in Anthony Smith. <laughs> John better enjoy this shit. Because if he goes against DC again, that won't be the narrative. No, but, you it, won't, know, it won't be a calm week. DC will bring everything back on the table. Everything. everything. Yeah, it, and to be fair, John is still not tested perfectly clean. The levels are just low enough that they're saying, yeah, fuck it. Like, he's he's not taking anything new. So how long are we going to punish the guy, right? That's what they're saying. Like, we reduced I mean, his suspension. He's not taking anything new. The levels are still there. But they're even. So nothing new is in the system. So fuck it. We got to let him rock. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, that's become the narrative of the main event. Then you have the co-main event between Usman and Woodley. I got to spend some time with Usman this week, and just got he's got a great story, man. It's like yeah, man. I interviewed him about like being from Africa and what he hopes to you know open doors in MMA in Africa. I did it for Fansided and like SI. It was a great interview. So when I saw your yeah. joint too, I was like, yo, it's cool that I I don't know maybe because we are you know like black journalists, he opens up more about that portion of him. And we're able to get yeah. that story out of them. And it's, it's you know, I kind of tweeted this the other day, but it's always my thing. It's like, I need, I need people don't really know why they're rooting for Kamaru Usman. Like, I need people to have a reason. And, like, Kamaru tells me a story about, you know, when he came to America at 8, the, the, he didn't know, like, words like bitch and asshole because they didn't use those words in Africa. So kids used to tease him. Black kids used to tease him. Black kids, they have no remorse. They don't give a shit. You're from Africa. Africa. <laughs> but... They would tell him to talk. The, the teacher's nickname was Bitch, and she likes to be called by her nickname. So Usman would raise his hand and be like, hey, bitch, I need to go to the bathroom. And he would get in trouble, right? Like, and, and those things made him have to overcome the language barrier. Or when he first started wrestling, he got beat up by a girl who he later found out was a three-time state champion. But it made him want, he wanted to learn wrestling. Like, he's always had this quest for knowledge and learning and overcoming adversity that makes him a likable individual. Now he's under the watchful eye of Rashad Evans, who I'm finishing up this story now before I head out, is Rashad, I asked Rashad, I was like, how special is it for you to see four black men at the top of a UFC pay-per-view card with two titles online? It's never happened before. And people are like, Anthony Smith is black? Yes, Anthony Smith yes. is half black, half Dog, look at Anthony Smith's nose. He is a black man. <laughs> like, you can't look at Anthony Smith and tell that he's black? Yeah, he's Come just on. got... He's, he's very fair-skinned. Like, my yeah. daughter's super bright, so I get it. But this four black... And Rashad was just looking like... He was like, I thought I'd never see the day. I thought I would never see the day. Four black men sitting at the top of the car. I mean, unfortunately, it's not, it, it's, it's not in Black History Month. It'd be completely accidental, but <laughs> it'd be great. But it's, it's great we to see... We can't Black History Month anyway. So this is a fresh start. We're, we're taking March. Yeah, we're moving to March. But, I mean, overall, and we'll run down this card. This is a very, very loaded card. It's, yeah. a, it's a very good UFC card. And there's, there's some really good fights. I mean, unfortunately, we lost the fight between uh, Holly Holm and Aspen Ladd, which was supposed to be on here. And um, Almeida and Marlon Vera was supposed to be on here as well, but whatever. Um, but, that would dude, be a good fight, though. Yeah, but, dude, like, Johnny Walker's on the card? Dog, I like Johnny Walker. He's, he's, I hate that this is late replacement, though. I don't think he cares. I, I don't feel like he doesn't care. I, I don't feel like it's overly fair to Johnny Walker. Like he's not fighting, you know, just some guy. Like Serkinov is the real deal too. Been caught yeah, a couple gonna, times. He's gonna beat the shit out of Serkinov. Johnny Walker's really good, and I think um, a quick turnaround is good for him. Is this on like a month notice? Yeah, he, he's he's um, been in camp. Like 
Why waste time? Like John said something interesting because he was just like, I like to. He's like because he talks about um, after fights, his feet get swollen and he has to take time off. But he was like, if I could, I just go right to the gym and fight again because I'm already in shape. If I'm not hurt, like Johnny Walker wasn't hurt, the smart thing to do is just fight again because you're fresh. You don't gain weight. You're not eating bad. You don't have to get back in shape. You're in yeah. shape. All you, all you got to do is maintain. So I think Johnny Walker coming off that victory, you know, they say, hey, you want to fight Misha Serkinov Misha because OSP is out? Sure. Like, Serkinov's not that dangerous. I mean, he's a light heavyweight. He's dangerous. but it be, And it gets Johnny Walker up the ladder faster because oh, John's really? going to need contenders. John is going to need contenders because he's running through this division. Yeah. All right. So let's go real quick. Predictions all the way through. Mickey Gall versus Diego Sanchez. Mickey Gall. Diego's – I love Diego, but, man, I just yeah. – I can't see him beating Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall is – I mean, he's lost the fight, but Gall is young. He's hungry. He's a little bit crisper with his striking. Diego, he's going to be a wild man out there, so it's going to be entertaining, but he's going to lose. I think so, too. I think Gall taps him out. Um, I kind of like Gall's game. It's really shitty for CM Punk because Gall turned out to be a pretty decent UFC fighter. Yeah, and I exactly. think he shows that again uh, on Saturday. Um, Alejandro Perez versus uh, Cody Stammen. Yeah, I'll take Cody. I'll take Cody Stammen was. I mean, he ran into a buzzsaw when he fought Aljamain Sterling. So and got that that got stretched out. <laughs> yeah, he got that funk master. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna take Cody Stammen. Still good. Yeah. He's he's a great wrestler. I mean, he was on a, a tremendous winning streak, and uh, you know. I mean, he's got to get back on the horse, so I see him doing that in this fight. Um, Serkinov versus Johnny Walker, I'm taking. It's going to be tough. I'll take Walker on short notice, but it's going to a decision. I don't think so, man. I think I think Serkinov, they both got pretty heavy hands. Um, Serkinov has been stopped by Glover Teixeira and Volkan Ozdemir. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, Johnny Walker may not be on that level, but I think these two guys are going to be swinging for the fences in a uh, and I think Walker's not here to get paid overtime. He's going to try to finish this fight as quickly as possible. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually go with Johnny Walker in the breakout performance. All right. And then Zabit versus Jeremy Stevens. Zabit's going to fucking maul him. That's it. Like, to me, Zabit is the real deal. By the end of this year, it, it'll be Zabit versus whoever the 145-pound champion is because we really don't know. Right? Like, we have an interim belt for 155, so... I would like to say it's blessed, but who knows? No, I'm, I'm with you on this. I think Zabit's going to he's gonna wrestle him. He's going to ground him. He's going to submit him. Um, Stevens, man, Stevens is a great fighter. You know, he's, he's a fun fighter, but he has his flaws. And, you know, he's one of those guys which I can kind of compare to Anthony Smith, who kind of raced up the ladder with a string of victories and then ran into a buzzsaw and got knocked down a peg. And yeah. you, you're putting him in there with a guy who's hungry, taller, just overall bigger. Like, Zabit just looks huge next to Jeremy Stevens. And his length is going to be a problem. And, you know, Stevens is going to have to catch him quick. Because if Zabit get close to the distance, it's a wrap. So I'm going to take Zabit. I know people hear, like, Zabit and his last name and everything and think, oh, he's another Khabib. Like, honestly, to me, he reminds me of 145-pound Tony Ferguson. Yeah, he's pretty when, freaky, man. Yo, when I watched him fight, and just his striking is so underrated. He he's good everywhere, everywhere the fight goes. He is great. Yeah, it, he's also he's also he's also a guy who looks like a villain in an eighties movie. <laughs> he does. He looks like the villain from Rush Hour. Yeah, that was in the yeah. club. I I mean I'm even going back further. I think he looks like a villain in like 
commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he looks like <laughs> he, he looks like he could be the villain in Die Hard. Like he looks like one of those foreigners that that just uh, just ruthless. Like he he just looks like he could play that role. He's a nice guy. He just looks oh, like very him. nice. <laughs> um, main card: Cody Garbrandt, Pedro Munoz. Garbrandt gets back on the horse here. He needs this win. Um, I, yeah, I think Garbrandt once again he has kryptonite. Styles make fights. I, I yeah. think we're going to see the the old Cardi Garbrandt. He still moves faster than ninety five percent of human beings his size. Yeah, I mean tremendous striking. I mean T.J. Dillashaw was just a completely different beast for him. And was familiar with him on top of that. Pedro has yeah. been on a nice little run, but he's probably getting stopped. Um, Tisha Torres versus Zang. I'll give it to Tisha. I don't know this is much man. about uh, Wiley Zang. Zang is she? I think she hasn't lost a fight in several she, years, and I've seen a few of her fights. She's pretty good. So, uh, it's 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 tough because Tisha's a really good. I mean, she's really good in her own right. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go with Tisha Torres as well because Zang just hasn't fought elite competition, and Tisha has. So, and Tisha's got a great gas tank as well. So, I think Tisha wins by decision. Uh, Lawler versus Askren. I'm taking Ben. It's a three-round fight. That's key. And I think Ben takes him to the ground and keeps him there. Yeah. I mean, Robbie's got great takedown defense, but the, the truth of the matter is, Larry, this isn't the same Robbie Lawler who no. was the champion. No, he, he lost to RDA a little over a year ago. He barely got by Cerrone, um, and he got starched by Tyron Woodley. And before that, you know, he had wars with Carlos Condit, a war with Rory McDonald, war with Johnny Hendricks. Shit war, catch up to you. war after yeah. war after war after war. Yeah, so I, I know kind of, I think Robbie's kind of looking at it like, man, I'm glad I'm not fighting a guy who's a striker because I don't have to be in that kind of war. But it's a different kind of war when Ben Askren, an Olympic wrestler with a kung fu grip, gets his hands on you. So I think Askren is going to just kind of wear him down as the fight goes on. It's just it, as long as Askren's smart, and plus he's training with Woodley, so I mean that can only help matters against Robbie Lawler. So picking Askren to win probably by decision. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think Askren's stopping him, but yeah, I think Askren's going to be a wet blanket. So it, it, it'll add another win to the win column. Um, he'll be 19-0, and we'll see where that puts him. Uh, Woodley versus Kamaru Usman. To me, this is the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man picture that everyone uses as a meme on Twitter. Like, I, I really like both of their wrestling I just think Woodley's a little bit better at this stage at everything than Kamaru. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. He so, Kamaru is Woodley three years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yep. When, but Woodley, right before he won the belt. Yeah. Like, Woodley was a guy, like, before he got knocked out by Nate Marquardt, uh, Woodley was a guy who relied specifically on his wrestling, but he had a heavy right hand, right? Mm-hmm. Over the past, like, couple years, he's turned into this cerebral athlete who has learned how to neutralize his opponent's greatest strengths. Nobody's done to Wonder Boy what Woodley did. Nobody's ever stopped Damian Maya, aside from maybe Anderson Silva, from using his jiu-jitsu. Nobody took Darren Till and just put him, put him to turn his aggression against him. Yeah. So there's nothing that Usman's going to offer Woodley that Ben Askren isn't offering in wrestling and training, and Woodley has a scene in the striking department. I don't see how Usman can beat Woodley unless it's strictly off a of desire and Woodley underestimating Usman. But I don't think he's doing that. Like, Woodley keeps saying he's the greatest welterweight of all time. I think he believes it, and I think he believes it because he's driving himself to keep winning these fights. 
So I think Woodley actually stops Usman mid, maybe the late later rounds. Okay, I don't mind that. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be a finish. I think Woodley lands one of the bombs. And uh, I'll put it second round. It's because I think Woodley's that got that power early where Usman can just get caught. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a knee. Usman, like, you know, diving for, a, you know, desperation takedown. Woodley just kneeing his face off. Yeah. And then uh, John Jones, Anthony Smith, John Jones, TKO first round. Yeah, I think this, this is going to be interesting because it's all dependent on how Anthony Smith comes out. And I think one of the most interesting things about this fight is that John Jones hasn't really faced guys who are hell-bent on finishing fights that know yeah. how to finish you when you're hurt. Anthony Smith is a guy who knows how to finish you when you're hurt. So John can't really bullshit and waste any time. Like, Gustafson's not a guy who finishes anybody. Cormier's not really a finisher. And if you look through the, the rest of everybody that John fought, guy, they didn't have, like, this, this penchant for trying to knock people's blocks off. Anthony Smith, if he gets you hurt, he's going to try to kill you. I think he's only gone to decision three times. And, 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 and how many fights did he have? Like, 60? Like, Anthony Smith is he's younger than... 44, 44. This, this is also the first time John Jones has fought, a, fought an opponent who is younger than him. 44, that, and he's only 30. Yeah. That's some mileage, Jones. He gets hit a lot. I mean, my man was fighting, like I said, he was fighting in barns, strip clubs, uh, <laughs> dirt floors. Like, Anthony Smith took the hard way to get here. And moving up to light heavyweight was the greatest thing he could have ever done because he didn't need to cut weight because it was affecting his performance. Now he just doesn't really cut weight. He walks in the octagon and starts fighting. There's a, and he may have a striking advantage against John, but John's got two weapons that is going to neutralize all that shit. The oblique kick is going to be a problem. And the wrestling. Anthony Smith doesn't have close to the ground game that John Jones has. And if John gets you on the ground, he's going to finish you. So I fully expect John to find a way to take him down somewhere in the middle of the round and rain down those elbows and end Anthony Smith's night. Yeah, I think it happens earlier than later, but I, I agree. Um, so that's the card. We'll both be at USC 235 this weekend. We'll recap that for you guys. We're going to take a quick, quick break, come back, talk a little bit of boxing, some WWE, and get out of here. So you guys stay tuned. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman, everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner promo code t-h-e-c-o-r-n-e-r terms and conditions apply all right we are back like i said real quick break and we are here to talk boxing real quick nothing in the boxing realm really what fight do we have this weekend i know we have one but not one yeah. that i'm really checking for this 
Just Laura and Castano are fighting this weekend, which oh, is Laura. not really a big deal. Luis Ortiz is on, yeah, he's on the card. But I think the big news this week um, is actually this whole Deontay Wilder saga is now he's <laughs> talking about being a free agent. Uh, apparently, you know, Steven Espinosa is not really commenting on this. Uh, there's allegedly been offers made by Eddie Hearn and top rank for Deontay to fight. But Tyson Fury has also made it clear that he's taking a fight in between, which really sucks. Which means, like, Anthony Joshua now has the biggest fight of the summer. And it's it's unparalleled. And poor Deontay, because now what what are you going to do? Knock someone out. That's all he has to do. Knock someone out and wait for that rematch. I mean, there's really, like, what else can you do? He's going to get a highlight knockout. It's not going to hurt his brand. And I think after all of this, people are saying Fury is running scared, not Wilder. This yeah, guy and, hurts and, Fury's credibility more than it hurts Wilder. Wilder's like, yo, I'm ready. Fury's like, I want to take one fight in between. So you got to wait. This pushes you guys, you know, them back to what, September, October? Because they still got to negotiate if they're on two separate uh, broadcasts. It's going to be a pay per view. So now you got Aram back in the mix trying to steal pay-per-view points with that ESPN deal. So it's 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 weird. And it it'll push him back. Negotiations might stall it till November. And that means we don't get Wilder Joshua until 2020. Isn't that what I said like a year I, and a half ago? I was about to say, I hate <laughs> that you said this shit. And I was <laughs> I hate that it's gonna make you right. I really do. But it, it's trending that way. It, it, and it sucks because, yeah, you know, Wilder's probably going to end up fighting Dominic Brazil. That's, that's the fight that makes the most sense, unless it's Dillian White, um, if he stays with Showtime PBC. And the, the Brazil fight is interesting because Joshua already destroyed Dominic Brazil. So Wilder has to come into that fight knowing that he has to do better than Anthony Joshua did. But it's, it's not a big fight. And it, 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 it sucks because it's a leverage thing because... Unless you put it Deontay, in the UK, though, right? Well, well, I'm t- well, the, which which fight? The, the if he fought one. Dillian White, if if Wilder fought Dillian White in the UK, I don't know. Like, the issue is Tyson Fury is going to fight on ESPN, which means he's almost guaranteed to get more eyeballs than Deontay Wilder will, which will be used as a negotiation tactic for the rematch. Which is crazy because Wilder is still the WBC champion. Fury didn't beat him, but it, it makes the negotiations a little sticky. And now it's like. And now if you're Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn, you're sitting there going, you could have took our offer and you could have had the fight. And if you won, you'd have all the belts and all the leveraging power. But now you're kind of on the outside where Fury's on ESPN. Joshua's the biggest star who's coming to the States to prove a point. And Wilder's kind of like blowing in the wind. It sucks. It really does. But this is what happens, man. Boxing politics are trash. Sooner or later, they will all have to fight. Yep. That's where we are. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're not going to see the five, six, seven-year delay between Mayweather-Pacquiao again. Sooner or later, three three max, because we've set the precedent. Like, yeah, you can work between brands, and the public are demanding these fights. So 2020 is probably the longest we thought it was going to take for Joshua Wilder, and it's going to take the longest. But it ain't going to take 2022, 2023. Like, no. It's not even going to take Deontay necessarily signing with the zone. If he does... Even better, we get it faster. Maybe the end of 2019. But it, if not, yeah, I mean, they'll still work it out. I'm, I'm positive of that. Um, but yeah, like you said, that was the, the world in boxing this week. Not much. Gave us a little bit of a break to focus on other stuff. 
pro wrestling this week, though, I will have to give an applause to the main roster. A golf clap, if you will. I enjoyed both shows this week, Dre. Yeah, you're always a pessimist. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I enjoyed both. I'll put it like this. I don't know what the hell they're doing with the NXT guys, and that's frustrating for me. Yeah. I, I can't figure that part out. Um, Roman coming back, of course, fantastic. Great to see him back. Um, looks like they may be tying him to Baron Corbin. I don't know if it'll be a fast lane or what have you, but great to see Roman back. Um, the Becky Ronda stuff, which we'll talk about in greater detail after we talk about what happened on the shows. We'll talk about what happened off the shows. But that, I mean, all that stuff has been handled great. The things that I didn't like, though, and I'll go straight to SmackDown, using the same method to get Kofi Kingston out of the Fastlane match. And, I, I, dude, I get why they're doing it. I just don't like it. Like, to, put Kevin, to have Vince come out again to pull Kofi out of the match and put Kevin Owens in as a babyface, when people have never really identified Kevin Owens as a babyface, puts Kevin in a tough spot. But is he a babyface if Vince handpicked him? I think that kind of gives him a little heat. He's at least see, a trainer because people are pissed. He's taking Kofi's spot, and Vince picked him. So he's not a babyface. He's like a, a but, tweener. But therein lies the problem because clearly the vignettes of Kevin returning were built around him feuding with Daniel Bryan. If you go back and look at him, yep. you look at Eating Kevin Owens talking about, talking about his SUV. Like, he, it was about excess and, and, and everything that Daniel Bryan hates. So it was building towards Kevin Owens being a babyface returning as Daniel Bryan. The Mustafa Ali allowing Kofi Kingston to enter the chamber and the fan reaction has thrown that all out of whack. So now it feels like they're trying to figure it out. Like, do we let Kofi into this match now or do we do the big payoff? And I always feel like this is homage to Booker T losing the Triple H a decade ago that Kofi wins at the big show. And in order to, but they've had Kevin Owens waiting for so long to come back that now they've got to bring bring him back. Yeah. But it's kind of weird because to use the same thing that you did to Becky, you're doing to Kofi, that's lazy as shit. They could have found another way to do this. It does seem lazy. To me, it it seems lazy. But you know what? People on Twitter, on like just black people watch wrestling casually, would hit me up, Facebook, all this. Oh, I can't believe they're doing this to Kofi. Like they ate it up. Like they they honestly, like Vince hit him with a, a little bit of the kayfabe and they fell for it. Like, they actually thought, like, yo, Kofi's not going to get the shot now. They're just going to give it to Kevin Owens. I'm like, yo, chill. This is actually a good thing. They're extending Kofi to Mania, which means he might actually win. I don't think they're going to let him win at Fastlane. He was going to lose. Kevin was going to get the Mania shot. It's like they flipped roles. Like, chill, but people believed it. More so than the Becky one. People believed. And this is a kudos to Big E and Xavier Woods and Kofi. They sold the hell out of that. On air, online, social media, they sold that they were robbed by Vince McMahon and that they got a way to get. It's people bought I, that. Shit. They they, I, I, they bought it more than the Becky one. The Becky one was stupid as shit. This one actually made sense. I, I just wish they didn't do the same thing twice. Like to do yeah. it in back to back, well, almost back to back leases. It just feels lazy, and it, it still feels like they aren't a hundred percent sure what they're doing for WrestleMania. Because this Kofi thing, I guarantee, it was not in the plans. It, I, it, was it might be another triple threat, in which I know you don't want to hear. No, I don't want to hear that. But then it's like, what are we doing for, with Kevin Owens? And it was also weird because I was like, well, maybe Kevin will just pop up powerbomb Kofi at the end of the show. No, he didn't do that. So when does it happen? 
Because well, Kevin, at Mania, if Kevin Owens not on the Mania match and Kofi beats Daniel clean and there's celebration and a pop, Kevin Owens comes down, pop up power bomb, and it's him and Kofi because they have the Saudi Arabia show and Daniel Bryan doesn't fuck with that. But but keep in mind that you still got to do Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan at Fastlane, in a match that fans are probably going to be pretty apathetic for. It does it does Kevin really no favors until it's clearly defined what the hell he's doing. So I, I feel like. The WWE is kind of working their way through this narrative week by week and dealing with Vince is really the one just going to make a decision. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Kevin Owens thing came up like three days before SmackDown. They were like, dude, he's got to come back. Because the thing is, if Kevin Owens isn't wrestling Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania and it is Kofi versus Daniel Bryan one-on-one, what is Kevin doing? He's too hot of a tan to leave, leave on the sidelines. And it's kind of weird to have him play a babyface because he's really not. He's not a babyface. He's been a magnificent heel his whole career. His whole career. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with a good thing there. So it's like I, I, I want to get to the point where we're seeing Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. I just the way that we're trying to get there is a little weird and wonky. And I hope they figure this shit out. Yeah, people bought it, though. So I'll give them a pass. We'll see how it works out. As long as it ends with Kofi going over in the end, they did it right. And if um, it doesn't? Then they really fucked us. Then, then <laughs> Vince, Vince got us again. Again. Um, the Revival lose again. This, that, that's bizarre. I don't know what? what they're doing for Mania. They still don't have a program. I mean, look. You gave the revival of the belts because they were bitching and complaining. I don't care what anybody says. That's why it happened. They yeah. bitched and complained. They gave him the titles. And then they were like, hey, you got the titles, but you still have to lose. Why? What? How? I mean, are the, are the Raw Tag Team titles even going to be on the main card at WrestleMania at this point? There's no value in them, really. No, I mean, they don't have anyone. Unless DIY is going after them, no. Really, whoever DIY faces for the tag team titles, is going to be on the main card. And so even If that, it's the Usos, then it'll be there. Or it won't be the Usos. Scratch that. Yes, the Revival will be there. It'll be the DIY versus the Revival. And you know why? Because the Hardy Boys came back, and the Hardy Boys are a tag team, and it'll be them versus the Usos. Then what the hell is the rest of the New Day doing? Cheering on Kofi. That's all they were going to do. They're not going to so, have matches. So the other thing that happened this week, which is what I'm about to talk about, is the return of Batista, because you know Ric Flair's got to be involved in an angle if he's returning to WWE television, and Batista mauls Ric Flair during his 70th birthday party and calls out Hunter. With so a now, blue nose ring. Don't forget the blue nose ring. And blue glasses. And on Raw, he wore red glasses. That is amazing. But Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania, and I get it, but I don't get it. I get it because Batista's a movie star in Guardians of the Galaxy, and since they're not filming right now, he has nothing better to do. So why Avengers not? Avengers comes out like two weeks after. It's a nice little, nice little push. Yeah, so it's like it makes business sense because Batista's a star and Triple H. Well, whatever you think of him, you know it's the only few that really make sense for Batista to be involved in. What I don't get is why, why when your roster is this loaded? Because what's going to happen is it takes a spot away from somebody else, and who the hell is that person going to be? Because I don't I, know. And I'm well, sure the pre-show will save it. 
Yeah, but I'm sure Batista Triple H was always in the plans. It was always in the plans when they did the anniversary show and, and Batista was acting real funky towards Evolution in the ring. That was always in the plans. But then if you start booking WrestleMania in your head, and obviously we don't know everything that's going to happen, but we know that Rollins is facing Lesnar. We know we're getting Ronda and Becky and Charlotte. Like, we know we're getting those two. We're getting Daniel Bryan versus somebody. We're getting Oscar versus somebody. We're getting Batista versus Triple H. You still got the women's tag team titles, the men, the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles. You're probably getting AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. You're going to get something with Braun Strowman involved in it. You guys yeah. just called up all these NXT guys. Where do they fit in? Like, where well, does some this... will be in the United States ladder match, which we've pretty much agreed that is going down, um, which the Hardy boys don't have to be in it anymore. So maybe it's Mysterio. It seems like it's Mysterio. Uh, Almas, R Truth, and then there's three more slots. So maybe you throw I mean, in a ricochet. But we're like we're Joe. assuming that's going to happen. It's become the obligatory match at WrestleMania to have a ladder match for either the IC title or the US title. It's yep. like it happens every year. But we're assuming that's in the plans. But R Truth is the only thing fucking up that belt. That that program. There, but there's more because you have Rusev, Nakamura, Samoa Joe. Like these are guys that are just kind of blowing in the wind. You have Kevin Owens. You have now you have. Champa, Gargano, Ricochet, and Black. Uh, did I mention Almas already? He's there. Yeah. Uh, you still have Finn Balor with the IC title. Bobby Lashley. You know, you have so many guys. And to have Triple H and Batista in a match that probably isn't going to be that good versus all the wonderful talent that you have, That what are you going to do with them? What if it's the 10 Uso minutes, do? though, it's not bad. Yeah, I, mean, it could, I mean, we'll see. But does Triple H ever have a 10-minute match? No. Like... It, and then, I mean, then on top of that, you still got the Usos, Cesaro, Sheamus. Where are all these guys going to fit in? I wish they never called up the NXT guys right now. It didn't need to happen. And now WrestleMania is a convoluted mess because on top of that, you need storylines for all these matches heading into Mania. That's you the problem. Gotta, you only got like time. four weeks? Come on, guys. This is a lot. Four weeks in a pay-per-view, Dre. I know you're happy about having a pay-per-view snuck in there. Not at all. <laughs> So you gotta you gotta build storylines for this pay per view, and then have three weeks to build WrestleMania. So that's yeah, that's bananas in its own right. And then let's touch on it. Then um, Becky Lynch gets arrested. They have the arrested shirts, which are dope yeah. with the Atlanta PD thing. And then um, we see Ronda lay down the belt. Ah, oh, it's like all right, cool. And Ronda looks like she's gonna force Vince McMahon's hand into bringing Becky into this, but on Twitter, this shit took a whole different turn. One, Becky's the queen of ether on Twitter. Boy. Um, wait, wait, real quick, though, before we even get into that. It's kind of weird that Becky won the Royal Rumble, and it means absolutely nothing. Yeah, because you can't take her out the match. She won the Rumble. <laughs> she won the Royal Rumble. Like, the Vince and Kobe thing could have made more sense because Vince even like you accidentally got into the match, and you, you could even argue that with Becky because she wasn't supposed to be in the Rumble and lost to Oscar early in the night, but it never came up. She won the Royal Rumble. Why are you taking her out of the match? Anyway, yes, Becky is the queen of ether, and I've I've said this on Twitter. The Tommy Wiseau room reference was the biggest, like, yes, the, 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 the Travis Brown being a dick thing was great. Like, <laughs> but, dude, if y'all have seen The Disaster Artist or The Room or know who Tommy Wiseau is and recognize that 
that Becky posted a Photoshop image of Ronda's face holding a mic on Tommy Wiseau when he walks out of that thing and was like, I did not hit her. I did not. And in the disaster artist, it's Wiseau forgetting the lines to his script. And that's where the what is line came from. Becky is essentially telling Rhonda she sucks at her fucking job. That she can't remember <laughs> can't her cut a promo. <laughs> she can't cut a promo. Like it was the most subversively brilliant thing that I've seen. And people were all on the Travis Brown to do, no, forget that. Like she <laughs> she went, she just took it off the rails. And if I'm Rhonda, I'm probably offended by this because she's not taking aim at me being a wrestler. She's taking it, me being shitty at my job and can't remember my lines. That yeah. dude, she that like pulled back the curtain just Ooh. enough to Ooh. to hit her deep. Like, dude, like, and if any of you have not seen the room, it's like the worst movie ever. And Tommy Wiseau wrote and directed it, and it's terrible. And the Disaster Artist, which is uh, James Franco, it stars as Tommy Wiseau, is excellent. But it all, it, you have to know how to put those things together to understand what Becky was saying with that tweet. And it, it didn't get retweeted or favored as much as the other ones. And I, I had to bring attention to it because I was like, dude, she's telling her she sucks at her job. She can't cut a promo. It's crazy. <laughs> yo, that shit was so funny. The back and forth. And it ended with Rhonda saying, like, yo, I'm just beat your ass next time I see you. <laughs> Pretty much, like, all gloves are off. Like, there was no retort you can have after all of that. It's so like, weird. Yo, the hell with scripts. The hell with all this stuff. I'm just beat your ass next time I see you. And then people got upset because they're like, "Oh, Ronda broke kayfabe. She's mentioning that they have scripts. It's gone off the rails." I was like, "I guess I don't know." It kind of did. It, I mean, it was weird because it didn't ruin it for me. I just felt like that was the last ace in the hole for Ronda. Like, yo, I could really fuck you up. <laughs> Yeah, like that's that's what it came down. You know how you like, you know, you play video games with somebody and then they'd be like, but I'll beat your ass for real. It's like, dog, that's not what we're talking about. We're yeah, talking about playing fight night. <laughs> yeah, street fighter. Playing 2K. Like, why are you going to kick my ass for real? That's where Ronda went with this. And I get it. There was little things in there about Ronda, like talking about Becky's armbar. I was like, ah, you're kind of bending the illusion here. But it's it's clear. To be, to be fair, Ronda's armbar, the new variation, it's leaves trash. a lot to be desired. It's trash, and it's not. It's not a Ronda Rousey armbar. It's like a this augmented weird thing, and it's like to talk about Becky's and not talk about your own. It's kind of it's it's yeah, it's weird. But also, there's one other thing before we get out of here. Um, and I thought about this yesterday. I talked to you guys about it in, the, in well, our crew in the group chat. I feel like Charlotte's been added to this match because they need a general in this match, and we're asking. I don't think anybody's really recognized like. I don't like it any more than anybody else does. I feel like it always should be Becky versus Ronda. But the more I think about it, Ronda's been wrestling for one year. And now she's being asked to headline a huge WrestleMania in a monumental moment for the first time women have ever headlined WrestleMania against Becky Lynch. Which means that between her and Becky, they have all the light on them. This isn't a tag match like last year's WrestleMania. This isn't a low expectations match where Ronda could come in, do some stuff, and no matter what she does, we go, holy shit, she's good. This is no mercy. You, you either blow this out of the water or we're going to... The merciless New York crowd will Brock Lesnar Goldberg you if this isn't good. So I'm starting <laughs> to think that, that maybe Charlotte was added for two reasons. One, to be the ring general. Because if Ronda can't call the match, and Becky, yeah, she's experienced, but Becky and Charlotte can kind of just pick the ball, pick the ball up and run with it. 
So it could add a layer to the match from protecting Ronda. And again, I don't like it, but I could see where the Vince and the rest of the crew in the WWE is like, man, we're putting a lot of pressure on Ronda Rousey because on top of that, Ronda's about to get booed the fuck out of the building in New York. It's going to be rough. So she, she, she can't botch. She can't mess anything up. Charlotte is the consummate professional who can handle that kind of pressure. So maybe that's the reason. And the other reason is maybe they're doing it with the possibility that neither Ronda nor Becky take the pinfall of submission. And Charlotte's the fall guy, girl. No, I, I agree with that. She's definitely at least going to control the pacing of the match, have some really good spots. I mean, Becky's ladder match against Charlotte was great. The three-way against Oscar was incredible. Um, I, I think we see a lot of that. No DQ automatically in triple threat matches, which will lend itself to Ronda and maybe kendo sticks and crutches and everything else. So I, I think it works for the better as far as in-ring match. It just it weakened the storyline a bit. It did. It did. It was no reason for Like, look, I made my predict. Like, we all knew we were going to kind of get here. Like, back in November, when Charlotte beat the shit out of Ronda's Survivor Series, we all kind of said, oh, triple threat. We all kind of knew it. But then the way that we got here, because I guess WWE didn't listen to me about the double elimination, and they decided to go this route where Vince injects himself and throws Charlotte in there. And Charlotte's just like, there's kind of been steam taking all the Charlotte-Ronda thing. It hasn't carried on the way it should have. So, yeah, it sucks at how we're getting here. But we all kind of knew that we were getting to this point. It's just, it's really the Becky Ronda story. And Charlotte's just kind of like on the sidelines, like, okay, guys, tag me in. I want to argue because <laughs> she's not involved at all. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, again, we got four weeks to figure out and see how it shakes down. But I, I think if it closes the, the card, which it is, Vince has been saying it's the main event. I think it'll be one of the better main events we've seen in years. Because they're, they're going to go. And it's going to have great spots. And it's going to be energetic. So I, I, I like it. And Charlotte adds to that. Yeah, It really had potential to be a little rough with just two of them. This 3-1, we're, we're getting crazy spots. We're getting, uh, you know, foreign objects. We're getting someone put through a table. Ronda's going to try to do a dive. Hopefully she doesn't get hurt. It's going to be like a, a lot of crazy shit. So... We'll, we'll see how it goes. But instead, next week, we're going to be talking about Fastlane. Mm. Another pay-per-view. <laughs> I'll okay. tell you. Got to love the random pop-up pay-per-views. Um, that's our show for this week, though. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. As always, follow us on social media at The Corner LSN. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. Support us by signing up for the Patreon. Uh, a lot of good exclusive interviews on there. Episodes doing a fan appreciation that'll be on the normal uh, SoundCloud as well. Dre, one thing I held out all show, all show, all show, and something you don't know, this was episode 199 of the Corner Podcast. Really? Next week is episode 200. Hmm. <laughs> he is ecstatic, people. If you've never heard him ecstatic, that was it. So next week will be the 200th show. We'll start off with something really dope. Um, and we'll maybe just mention one of, you know, some of our favorite parts of the show so far, but 200 episodes real quick. I've yet to be kicked off the show. So that means hot take Kel is here to stay. I love it. Uh, thank you guys again for the support till next week though. We're out. Peace. On the